Man, life in Christ. There's nothing like it. Nothing like being in Christ. Nothing. Nothing. Say that to yourself. Nothing. Have you realized that yet? I hope we are more and more that he is to be our life source. So often we just go to him when things are bad. And I love what Steve said at the men, I might have leaked through on Sunday, where he said, you know, so often we just think we need him when we need him. We don't realize we need him all the time. He is the air I breathe. Well, is he? You need air to breathe to remain on earth, do you not? I love that song. Your holy presence living in me. He is the air I breathe. He's become my literal source of life. Literally. The food that keeps this body going. I am in awe of the reality that lives within me. An absolute wonder. And I thank him most days for the capacity of the work he has done through his enablement and his power that that word is not a word, it's in me. It's a person. And the person in me enables me to live beyond the earth to the measure that I'm in it today. It is unbelievable to be able to love another human being like Jesus, know you're doing it, and go, that is not me. But it is me being used. It's unbelievable to go, this is incredible. I, old Greg, can't do this. But born again, empowered Greg can and fulfill the commandment that Jesus gave the church. You see, I'm not really interested so much in signs and wonders, prophecy, faith to move mountains. If I can't, and I don't know that. If I'm not in that as a first place priority, I'm not really interested in those things. Those things will just follow me. I'm not going to chase them. Because I, well, one, he tells me not to. He just says they'll follow those that are disciples. But if that is not in me, Jesus, then I can just be a gong. And I don't want to be a gong. I don't want to lay my life down to hear, that's nothing, son. You missed the entire point because you didn't actually hear the truth when it was spoken. And so you never positioned yourself to come into the truth. You just had your version of it. And so although I loved you and you will be with me in eternity, the life that you had on earth wasn't what it could have been. I don't want to hear that. And so I've realigned my life and repositioned my life to come into all things because I read a food source that says I can. I cannot live without this. A person. I cannot live without the person. This points me to a person, and a person lives within this. That's why I meditate on this. Not to figure out what to do, but to figure out who he is and who I am. The doing will naturally take care of itself if I know those things. 
You see, I won't have to focus on doing if I know God and I know who I am. The very life source of that love will empower me and I'll just start doing things. It's just a natural, innate response to knowing him and knowing who I am. But see, the church preachers and teachers go and try and do stuff because we think in doing stuff we're going to find identity, purpose, meaning, a sense of accomplishment, and we'll feel good about ourselves. But then we always live these full lives because we're going the wrong way. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Hear what I am saying. There are things to do, but we don't do it from being empty. We do it from being full. And when you are full, you are able to endure all things. We've looked at, if you're with us for the first time, the 16 attributes of love. And we could finish this, but we never finish it, and then just preach the same thing over and over and over and over. Because until love is revealed in you, you don't know it. Until you're living it out, you don't know it. Can I say that? You see, here's the world standard. The world tells you, understand love in your mind and you'll know it. Do you know that's a lie when you look at the kingdom? You only know what you can live. That's how deep it is in the kingdom of God. Because you have a knowledge that sets you free and makes you free so you can endure all things. So you only know what you can live. Outside of that, you don't have knowledge that enables you to live like a Christian. That's highly offensive to the flesh and the wisdom of man that tries to fill itself with head knowledge to think it knows something, but then it always trips up and is not able to live out what it says or what it knows. Yes? So this is such a simple gospel. It's receive the power of the word through absolute surrender let it build you because you fully surrendered and let go of all your life. And then you will be able, through the power of revelation, to live as a Christian. It's not hard. <clears throat> it's easy. Even that is a complete opposite, isn't it, to what we say? It's easy when you are full, it's hard when you are empty. That is completely impossible when you are empty. To endure the sufferings, the persecutions of Christ and consider that pure joy is impossible if you are not full of God and becoming fuller. You see, the seed imperishable lives within us, so we are full. But the seed must grow, so we are full. So how full do you want to be in overflowing? You can't just go, I received the seed on full and then live an empty life. Because that's a contradiction in terms. Full in principle, empty in reality. I don't want to be full in principle and empty in reality. I want to be in full in principle and full in reality. So what I am, I say I do. And it's all authentic. And in a lost world, see, and my father gets the glory. Bingo. Yeah? So love endures all things. The word endure means this, to stay behind. Think about this. Think about Jesus. Think about your ability to do this. To stay behind, to remain, stand one's ground. In love. Not in anger. Not in self-righteousness. I'm going to stand here and defend my God and prove to the world that they've got it so wrong. It's not that. 
It's I'm going to stand here in love, receive beating after beating after accusation after accusation, and I'm still going to pray and love my enemy. And they won't understand it, but I have a capacity to endure all of the misunderstandings, all of the misconceptions, all of the lack of knowledge for them, meaning them, the church, and the world. I have a capacity that God gives us to be able to endure all things. Now, there's a standard that's apostolic, that is not attainable to the flesh, but fully available to those who are in the Spirit, becoming like Christ, who have forced their way in through the power of the Spirit to be found partaking of a food source that enables that behavior. See, we've been raising the bar here for 10 years at The Rock. Have you felt it? (laughs) Have you felt the heat of it? Has your flesh been challenged? Have you wanted to vomit over those speaking and over the reality? Have you accused? Have you judged? Have you spoken against? Come on. A little bit. I hear it. (laughs) I have against God. We do it all the time. Aren't you grateful that God's love is patient and kind? And long-suffering while you act like a little kid going, and try to hold on to you, the little bit of you, that's actually already dead, but you don't know it, when he's trying to free you from you and say, I'm calling you to a high call. I press on to a call that is above this earth, and I empower my church to live because they actually are seated in heavenly places with me, but they actually live on earth as if they're living in heaven with me because that's where they're going to finish up. But I'm actually making them there now. Hear the gap. There is no gap, guys, between the kingdom of God there and here. See, he brought his kingdom, so I'm seated and raised up with Christ in heavenly places which are on earth now. Even though he is there He is in me, so I have the viewpoint and the life of heaven in me on earth now. So I'm an alien to the earth. I'm an alien to everyone who is earthly because I don't live and I don't get my food source or my oxygen from the earth. So you speak a language that the earth do not understand. You live a life that the earth have no concept of. You do not put your physical family ahead of God and the spiritual family, and they can't figure it out. You've been freed from the lustful position of your flesh of loving a wife or a spouse or a child more than God and his people. And you love them all the same now because you've been freed of that lust position and you've been put into him. And so now you have a capacity to love the world, your wife, your children, strangers, all the same with the love of heaven. That's an apostolic lifestyle and an apostolic standard that the church is to live to so it can endure all the persecution and the opposition that come upon her so she can love because she loves what she's looking at because she knows, like Christ, that they do not understand, so forgive them, Father. 
Could you hear the oneness in our ability to live like Christ? I read about men and women that lived like Christ, that said and did what Christ did. Do not hold this against them. Forgive them while they're stoning my head. Could you say that? See this? Can you hear the standard? It will free us from earth. The standard is to encourage us, not to deflate us. If you're hearing, you're not hearing. Can I say that? You're not hearing the life because that will have you going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. He's telling me I can live above the earth. I can be free from all my stuff. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, Lord, help me, help me. It's life, life. There is no loss in Christ. So if you hear loss, you're not hearing Christ, you're hearing you. And you're afraid of loss. And your flesh, which doesn't want to die, is going, no, no, no. But your spirit wants to go, yes, yes, yes. That's the word of the Lord. And that's why the true fight is between flesh and spirit, not the demonic. You get your flesh sorted out through the power of revelation, through the word, the demonic has no hold over you. He'll turn up, you just laugh. You be like Jesus and you just speak the sword to him and he leaves. Like we heard last week, peace is in you. So when you turn up, calmness is in you. It may not shift the external, doesn't need to at times, it's in you. But then when that manifests from your mouth, it hears it because it comes under the authority of heaven. This is amazing for us. And we're able to endure all things. Let's go to Hebrews 12, verses 2. Who's excited today? Me. <laughs> See, there's multiple reasons why we gather. And one of the reasons why we gather is to receive an impartation of the word that enables us to live the way we're called to live. So we need a special type of hearing to be able to hear a word that builds this thing called faith, which is the absolute knowledge of God, so then we live from faith. So we need to position ourselves every time we come. If we're not coming with that heart position, then we're not here. We're present, but we're not presently present. You have to be presently positioned. You have to position yourself like when you go to work, like when you're driving. If you're texting while you're driving, you're not presently present. And there's a good chance you're going to crash and kill someone, kill yourself. You have to be presently present when you gather here because there is a reality that's being outworked. It's not just, oh, yeah, I'll go to that thing on Sunday again, sing some songs, hear a message and go coffee and go. That's not presently present. Wherever you are, it's not here. You're somewhere else being presently present in your heart and your mind. So the purpose of the gathering of the saints is for the equipping and the training so we can live lives that are apostolic, prophetic, shepherding, teaching, whole. Because we're an apostolic, prophetic, teacher, pastor, evangelistical people on the earth which means we really need to know who we are through receiving the word. So here we go, Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Say that to yourself. Fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author 
and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You were once that sinner. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Yes, you were just like me. So you were hostile to the things of God, anti them. In fact, you were evil, living your life completely the other way, and you didn't want a bar to do with him. Even if you've grown up in a Christian home, that's you without revelation. You might not think that, but that is you spiritually. I would have put him on that cross, meaning flesh, sin, self, and only for the glory and the grace of God that I didn't. See how we're all in this together? Do not think more highly of yourself or how you ought to think. Think as he would say. So let's go back to verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Where are your eyes? Not your physical eyes. The eyes of understanding. The eyes that see what is. Not what isn't. The natural always sees what isn't. Natural eyes cannot endure all things. Love endures all things. If you're looking at the natural, you will never endure all things because that's not where the life comes from. The life comes from what you can't see but can see in the Spirit. And the Father says, well, Jesus said, this is a brilliant plan. You've hidden it. You've hidden it from all those wise people that think they're smart, but they're dumb. <laughs> They're so dumb, but they think they're so clever. But they still haven't found it, and they still can't live it, but they still remain thinking they're really clever and smart. You've hidden it from the wise and the intelligent, the dummies of the world, but the blessed ones in the kingdom. And then he says this, because no one can know this, Father, unless they know me and you. Wow, that's a master stroke. So they can't butcher it up. So you put a safeguard around them to say you can't know anything unless you know us so you don't talk about us behind our back and get it all wrong. Don't misrepresent your kingdom father through talking about stuff that you haven't had revelation on. Man, that's dangerous. I don't want to misrepresent him. I'm supposed to be an ambassador from that kingdom who only says what my father tells me to say, when he says it, how to say it. Why? So I don't misrepresent him. And I release him to the earth. So my eyes have to be fixed, fixed permanently, looking in the right direction on the person who is my source of life. The only source of life is the person called Jesus Christ. I don't look for life in my wife. I don't look it for my kids, in you, in the, what I do, in ministry, in reaching. I look none of that I look for life in. That is all an outcome of life. But I don't look for life in it because it's all immovable. That's a dodgy foundation that can be changed like that. I look for life in the foundation called the Christ because that's the immovable foundation. 
So my faith has its foundation in what he says. You see, faith has to have its foundation in something. It's not in nothing. It's not in a wishful thought. My faith, faith has to be anchored, have its foundation in something. Do you know what the something is? It's God's conclusion. What he says and what he writes. That's the foundation that your faith needs to be in. It's already foretold. If you don't know what's foretold, you're putting your faith in something that's not hope. It's in a false foundation. It's in I hope it comes to pass because you're putting it into nothing here. Faith is to be anchored in God's conclusions, what he says and what he writes. Because it's already foretold. It's a finished reality. Now, can you hear the magnitude of what I said? Most people aren't living for this. Most people believe faith is something I need to muster up to hopefully get by in life that God will come through for me. That's not faith. That is trust. Faith has its foundation in a conclusion, something that already is. That's solid. I can put my life on that. That's where my confidence is because it already is. I'm putting my faith in a foundation that already is. And that already is, is what God says here. So when I move by faith, it's full of conviction. So when I move from that place, I'm able to endure all things. Can you hear that? Now there's an apostolic standard again. You and I can only move in faith to the revelation we have. So our revelation is the jurisdiction of our faith. You can't move beyond the revelation of your jurisdiction, otherwise you get in trouble. You step outside of what you know into this area that's not necessarily him. And he says, get back into the revelation of the jurisdiction because you're going to get in trouble. You'll say things that aren't. You'll go out there like, Peter, I'm going to deny you. You'll stand in front of you and go, ah, no, I'm not, and run away. Why? Because you step outside of your revelation, the jurisdiction of your boundary. God wants to enlarge your revelation so your jurisdiction gets enlarged. But you move outside of that, you'll be like Peter. You'll quote stuff, say stuff, I can do this, I'll do this. And then when he puts you to the test, you can't live it. When he puts you to the test, love doesn't. You won't have love in you to endure all things. Never mind, believe all things, hope all things, bear all things. You won't be kind. You won't be patient. You'll be you. (laughs) Do you want to be you? I don't want to be me. I love the new me, but I don't love the old me. The old me was selfish, self-centered, self-seeking. Sure, I'd share a chit-chat with you now and again. Came out for a coffee. But the old me was geared for me. I'm not enduring anything that doesn't help me. In fact, if you're coming at me, I'm coming back at you. I pray for you, whatever. I'm going to smack you. (laughs) What are you about, son? Hit me, I'm hitting you. You touch my family, I'll touch you. See, that's natural. That's of the flesh. 
Jesus had a capacity in him to pray for his enemy, to love his enemy. What's the point of loving those that love you? Even the sinners do that. And that's not a standard. Come on. My people live above you. Jesus made it a lot harder, didn't he? Have you figured that out yet? It was easier under the old covenant. Eye for an eye. I like that, Pete. You poke my eye, I'm going to poke you. I'm going to feel good about smacking him in the eye when he smacked me in the eye. That was a good thing to live by. Sort them out, get it sorted. Justice for justice, yeah. And then Jesus comes along, remember? The law and the prophets until this guy called Jesus turns up on the stage and goes, it's a new day and it's a new standard. It's called this, love your enemy. Don't punch your enemy. Pray for your enemy. Don't hate your enemy. If you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. Oh, I like the other one. Get away with that. See how he raised the standard. But with the standard came power to raise us up from the earth because in this covenant, we couldn't, they couldn't even do it anyway. It was all about behavioral modification under this. But now in this, we don't have to change our behavior. We just live as a Christ-like follower because we're in process and in alignment to the Father's way. So I'm coming into faith because I can hear a word that goes out into the earth. The Holy Spirit reveals it in my heart, which is the place of understanding. So now my eyes get opened in the knowledge of God. Now I see I have faith in the knowledge of God. I know what is available in God for me. It's received in me, which fills me with power. And now I live from it. That is what faith is. That is what all the Hebrews 11 people live from. Not this trust thing. Trust is good. But it needs to go to faith. Peter walked on water not because he had faith. Jesus told the disciples, you have little faith all the time. You have Either zero faith or no faith, little faith. After he walked on water, he said, why did you doubt? You have little faith. They couldn't see it. And as soon as he took his eyes off and trusting, he started to sink. Good on him for getting out the boat and trusting in what was said. But he was supposed to just walk straight to Jesus because he was full of faith. And the cool thing about that is what God's trying to show us is that we're all in this together. And God wants us all to have great faith because he tells me he is the author and the perfecter of this thing. So if he's the author of what faith is and my eyes are fixed on Jesus, I'm going to have great faith if my eyes are fixed on Jesus. Because he's not only the one who creates what faith is, so he's the author. I've just written a book, second book, Imitate Me, hopefully be here in a couple of weeks. It's all about the life of Paul. Now the Holy Spirit has taught me what's in the book. So the author, Christ, has taught me to write. He's the author of his illustration, of his story. I don't have to create my own, I just have to see his story. Because I'm not an author, he's the author. He's the author of faith. We don't make up faith. I think it's this, I think it's that. Do you know that is making it up? You have to see what is here. 
So if you're going to endure all things, you need to have faith. Because it was Jesus' faith in his Father for the joy set before him, he went to the cross for you and I. You tracking that? He's seeing faith, you and I, in the future. And it's the joy in him for his church that he went to the cross for you and me. He endured all things because he was love, knew the Father's love, was in a fellowship relationship with his Father, and he knew the finish from the end, the end from the finish. Why? Because he's the author of the entire book and story. And so he was able to endure all things in the face of opposition. What would you have done if you were on the cross and they're spitting at you, blaspheming, saying this, if you were the son, come down. You can't even save yourself. And you're up there going, it is love keeping me here. Do you not know my father could send angels and merely mess you lot up? But because I'm love, that is contrary to love. He doesn't even think like that. You know when the two guys are you know, abusing him and then one becomes saved on the cross next to him? He doesn't turn around and see. He doesn't turn to the other guy and say, see, you need to listen to this fella. He doesn't justify. When your love is in you, you don't try to justify you don't look for justification. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to go, oh, you know what? That was me. You just stay quiet because you're so full. You don't have to look for your pound of flesh because there's no flesh now in you. You don't need to be justified. You don't need people to know that was you that came up with that. You don't need that affirmation anymore or that favor of man. Why? Because the source of life is Christ because your eyes have been set on the Christ, and they never leave the Christ. So now he starts to perfect you as the author of this thing called faith, the knowledge of God, the absolute fully convinced position of who God is, who you are, his plan, his purposes, and how it all works, and you live from that place. So now you too have a joy in you that is set before you, so you can endure all things because there's something greater in you that you're looking at So when the opposition floods in, and it will come, because flesh does not understand the things of the Spirit, and the Bible says it is an absolute opposition to the things of the Spirit, and the flesh sits right in front of me. I still have flesh. The flesh is out in the world. So when our flesh manifests, because we don't understand something we hear that we mishear or don't hear at all, our flesh will rise up because it wants to live. And there is a joy set in the other person that's going to endure your flesh, love on your flesh, in the hope that your flesh would surrender. And you can, not because you're trying, but because love is in you. And you hope the other person will realize. But you know what happens in my experience, of, especially the last 10 years? Most people don't. Most people don't. They do this. It's you. But see, love stays behind. Love remains. Love is able to stay in the darkness and be 
in front of all the opposition and persecution because it loves and it endures because love is within it. Isn't that what Jesus did? When all the opposition, all the persecution, did he not stand there in the middle of darkness in the Sanhedrin, the religious system, and be love and speak truth in the hope that they would hear? And he didn't go anywhere until the time was up. And even that was an act of love that no one or very few people understood. So love endures all things. It remains. It has the ability and the power to do what it is. That's to be in you and I. (laughs) And the Bible says you must keep his word for that to be a reality. That he wants to perfect us in himself so we can walk in the manner in which he walked. Now when I say that, what's happening within you right now? Is there a sense of I've got to run out of here? I've got to remove myself? That's impossible, Greg. What's going on right now in your heart and your thinking? Are you feeling really bad? Are you excited? See, the reality of what this all is will determine how you live. Your choices and what you hear determine so much about whether you'll engage. If you left here today and do nothing with what you're hearing, you haven't heard it. You haven't heard anything. Because I'm describing a life for you and I. But you've got to force your way into it. It doesn't just turn up at a wheat bix packet by surprise. God might set you free of some things and give you a grace card, a free card, but he says it's time to grow and it's time to seek because there are things that are hidden because what I'm looking for, I need to know that my people truly love me. So I actually create in my kingdom, obstacles isn't the right word, but I allow things to define and show who and if they love me. Because that's what I'm looking for, those that love me with all their heart. So I allow all, I, I set it up. You're set up. You're set up for a win. <clears throat> you know when Jesus led Peter into the garden? He set him up for a win. He's talking to him. You're going to deny me. What did he say? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm God. You're not. You will deny me before the rooster crows three times. No, I won't. Even if these other men do, I won't, and I will go with you to your death. Pride. And one of the main guys Jesus is going to use after Acts to see his church built. He's not going to build the church. Peter's going to be built. And then he's going to be used by God to see others built. But Peter's not going to build anything because he can't. So this main character in the story is denying Christ. Because he thinks he can do something that God is saying you can't. So Jesus says, okay. Come with me, son. Let's go into the garden. Can you pray? Do you think Jesus knew they couldn't pray? Yeah. So three times, set him up. Why? Because he's going to realize this is all adding up to something. Okay? 
So he's denying him. He's realizing over three, can't pray, can't pray. He comes back three times. Then it's the great test, isn't it? Where they go into the inner circle room there. And he goes, right, now, here we go. But by the way, he said, bring a sword into the garden with you too, didn't he? So he's setting them up, okay? So sure enough, the, 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 the guards come and Jesus is standing there and Peter, he launches out with his sword. He would do what every one of the flesh would do, protect their guy and whoosh, off with the ear. Jesus said, bring the sword because I'm setting you up for a win. Jesus, he's the man of the win, so he picks the guy's ear up. Sorry about that. <laughs> Rebukes his own guy, okay? Then they walk into that inner room, and then there's the opportunity. See, it's all building. And then he has the opportunity to speak up, to remain, to stand, and stand one's ground, and say what you said you could do. And God gives him three opportunities, and he fails everyone. And then the Bible says something happens and he realized when the rooster crowed, all those words that were being spoken that he had no filter to hear, bang, and a heartbeat came and he hears the word and he's like, oh, it's me. And he wept bitterly. That's a beautiful place to get to. That is an amazing place to get to the end of you where your pride and what you think is cool and lives breaks into a thousand pieces and you're realizing you're full of it. <clears throat> Have you found that place yet? Or are you still trying to hold on to it? Are you denying and deflecting and justifying God away from it? Are you doing the big Jonah sidestep? trying to get into life around another way. You see, you'll never be in life until you go through the process that God led Peter through, Paul through, David through. Everyone of great faith has to go through the same process called the door. And there's a death and there's a life. You can't have resurrected life unless you're dead, and I mean dead. Jesus emptied himself of himself and considered himself a bond servant. Paul said, I'm a bond servant. Peter said, I'm a bond servant. James, they all went through because their eyes were fixed on Christ. And he leads us by the hand for he will never forsake you. He will never forget you. He will get you to where you're going. Philippians 1 6, if you let him. And he set Peter up for a win. Did it look like a win? Not at the time. Can you see why you've got to hear the word? Because what else came to Peter? He said, you will go where you're saying you're going to go, but it's not now. Right now, I'm telling you to love these men. Oh, by the way, you can't. But he didn't hear that. He was so preoccupied of being Superman Christian. No, I want to go where you're going to go. Sounds exciting. You can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. You don't have the substance in you to endure all things. Yes, I do. No, you can't. Yes, I do. No, you can't. Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. Let's go. I'm going to do what you're not doing. I'm going to help you because I love you. I am going to get you, you stubborn, arrogant, self-centered, self-focused person. Man, I am patient with you. Man, I am kind with you. Man, I've been waiting for you. I've endured, Peter. 
I've built all things. I believe all things for you. The problem is you can't hear and you still think you're you, you, you. So come with me. Hey, it's awesome, man. I've done this. I'm that guy. Not anymore. I was. And then I transitioned. You don't want to be the Peter of the Gospels. You want to be the Peter that wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Why? Because you have seen things now. There's life in you and you're able to endure all things. Listen to this. He endured for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He could have got off it. He could have called on demons. He could sorry, angels, not demons. <laughs> demons, put them there. He could have done a whole lot of things, but he had stayed there. He remained because of love. Oh, this can be in you and I. He despised the shame. There was no shame. He's naked. He's torn. They were, he was unrecognizable. Half his face was ripped off. He didn't think that was shame because he knew the purpose. You and me. He saw us, the cross, as a revelation of your value, not your sin. The cross is a revelation of your worth. My goodness, we've butchered it. You sinner, you sinner, you sinner, you sinner. That is true, but give me life first. It's my value. Heaven was bankrupt, came to earth to set us free. Why? That we would know we're sinners? No, that we would know we're sons before the foundation of the earth. I wrote it in the book so you could know it by faith. Faith has its foundation in what is written. Do you know before you were ever a sinner, you were a son? Because this tells me it. I don't look at my identity here. I get my identity from here. If this tells me that I was a son before the foundations of the earth, I need to find that reality today. Because I'm not living in my identity if I do not know that. I'm living as a slave. Man, this is called catch up. <laughs> catch up and figure out who you really are. Not who your mum and dad told you you were. Not who your mates, not who your teacher. Anyone that's spoken death over you, just cast it out. It's rubbish. Because your father tells you this is who you are. You are cherished. You are set apart. You are holy. You are consecrated. You are mine. Man. Come here to 2 Timothy and then we'll wrap it up. 2 Timothy 2. Just before Hebrews. His promises galore here. So 2 Timothy 2 verses 38. Um, sorry, guys, I've given you nine. I'm not sure you can find eight. It says this, 2 Timothy 2 verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. This is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. It's interesting the words he uses, isn't it? My gospel. You see, Paul came into the reality of the true gospel to the point where he calls it my gospel. 
because they're one, because he's in the power of the gospel. It's not the words of the gospel you need, it's the work of the gospel you need. So then the gospel becomes your gospel. It's no longer there, it's here, which enables you to endure all things. For which, so here you go, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. The man's in prison for doing the right thing. When you do the right thing and you are persecuted for it and accused of doing the wrong thing, what comes out of us? It's one thing when you're guilty, but when you're innocent, it sounds good, doesn't it? You know, we're going to speak the truth and everyone's going to love the truth when you speak it, aren't they? Everyone's so excited to receive the truth that sets them free, aren't they? You know, in my immaturity, when I got the revelation of the bride of Christ, I thought everyone would want to know. I figured out really quickly that a whole lot of people didn't want to know. And those people were sitting in blue seats. Because <laughs> it doesn't fit. And Paul's saying, I'm standing, I'm living because this Christ, this gospel that's in me, I'm suffering, but I'm enduring all things. I'm in prison, but the word of God is not imprisoned. Wow. We last week, two weeks ago, heard of a man who spent 11, 12 years incarcerated in prison and God set him free in prison. And now he's out and he's so free, he's quite scary how free he is. And this has been said before, but you can be more free in prison than in the world because freedom is here. It's here and here. This is where the bondage is. This is where the chains are. It's not a physical reality. Paul is in prison. The man sings. Him and Silas. Romans 16, in prison. Not a nice place. And they sing hymns. And then there's a great earthquake because the power comes because when you sing, the presence falls and in the presence is power and he changes lives. So he says this, he goes on, he says, I, for this reason, verses 8 and 9, for this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it, eternal glory. Paul is a representation, a reflection of Christ. He endured all things for us. He lived years ago. He endured all things for you and me. His life continues to have an impact. Figure that one out. Is your life going to have an impact in a hundred years' time on people you've come in contact with? Two hundred years' time. Until Christ returns, until the final judgment, your life, even though you may be dead, can have an ongoing impact in the lives of others because of the life you lived. So your past that you look back on is a glorious one. 
My first 29 years of my past were okay, but there was full of a lot of brokenness. But the next 20 years, I look back at my past and I just see going from strength to strength to strength. Not perfect, made mistakes, but this growth. What's the next 20 years going to look like for those that I'm actually discipling? You see, it goes beyond this physical. And your inheritance at a judgment seat goes beyond your physical life. Paul is still acquiring his inheritance because of the life he lived, because the judgment seat hasn't happened. And his life is still impacted. My life has been profoundly impacted by Paul. Hence, I'm writing a book called Imitate Paul. Imitate me, not me, Paul. And I go, thank you, Paul. I read this and I go, that's me. See, I personalize all this. Paul endured for me because I was chosen before the foundation of the earth like him so that Greg may obtain the salvation, which is not just crossing the line. Salvation is complete transformation of my entire spirit, soul, body. It's the complete work of Christ, not just the start. So Paul gave his life and he endured all things for me that I would be the benefactor of his life which is in a person called Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. God is getting us back to the position we fell out of now. Not when we get to heaven. Now. Glory to glory to glory. I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. We go from glory to glory to glory. We'll never be the same. Never be the same. Now. See, we think it's then. It's now. Then he says this. For if we died with him, we will also live with him now seated with christ in heavenly places christ is in me it's one position it's not two listen to this if we endure we will also reign with him now and the future so when we come into this life that we've been prophesying here for a long time Four words, L-O-V-E. And the Holy Spirit grabs hold of your heart and your mind and says, I want to reveal that in you. So you can hope all things, believe all things, endure all things, don't hold an account of wrong against anyone else, not be jealous, be patient, be kind, You find yourself walking like Christ and the word of God is living and richly dwelling and now you're able to live it as if Christ literally is in you. It's called imitating God. That's what it means to be an imitator of God. It means to walk like Jesus walked because the life of Jesus is being formed in your heart and your mind. And so when you walk on this earth, you will be persecuted for righteousness. In fact, the Bible gives you a promise and says it is. It even says this, the godly will be persecuted. So if you're not being persecuted, 
you may just be turning up to services and not really growing because the godly are persecuted for righteousness. Okay? So there's a promise, just like he promises you the good stuff. That's a good promise because it gives you an indication of where you're at. So seek. I don't want to live an empty life when I could have lived the full one. I don't want to miss out on a life I could have known because I was still trying to live for me because I couldn't hear when it was said. I want to be all he's called me to be as a member of a body, not as an individual, as a member of a church, a body. And I want to play my part in the body and lay my life down for the body to see the body of Christ marry the head. The body's coming, sorry, the head's coming looking for a body. Where's the body? Is she in 50 million pieces living for herself? Or is she one body living for him, loving him and his purposes? So she can endure all things. Childbirth is painful, is it not, ladies? You endure, and at the end of that during, there is a blessing, is there not? This is what it is. The enduring enables life. So run with endurance, but be in him. Amen? Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're revealing this in us. Thank you, you have given us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You've given us the Holy Spirit, Father, that we can come into the knowledge of you. Ephesians 1, 17. We thank you, Lord, that the Spirit will reveal the hope of your calling. He will reveal the inheritance that is ours in the saints. And he will show us the surpassing power that is available to us. And all this is outworked through your strength, Lord, as we surrender and position ourselves and by discipline, maybe, make choices to receive today. Bless your name. May your name be blessed. And may people hear and come into life in Jesus' name. Amen.